What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity, equity, and inclusion can impact businesses? Hi everybody, welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm Yubi, and I am the Latino white guy of the group. I'm Nina, I am the woman of color in the group. And I'm Mike, I'm uh, the blind guy. Hey everybody, welcome back. We are on episode five of Choose Inclusion. You're with my amazing co-hosts, Nina and Mike. Hi guys. Hi. Que pasa? Oh, just hanging. Yeah. Yeah, loving life. A lot of traveling, a lot of yeah. uh, enjoying those change of seasons. Nina, you just got back from doing uh, a conference on the East Coast, did yeah, you Yeah, know? I was at uh, UMass Amherst uh, speaking at the Inclusive Leadership Summit where I was talking to the future business leaders of America, the, all the uh, MBAs and business uh, undergraduates over there. And man, did they ask some challenging questions about the future of diversity in tech. Really? Yeah. That's super cool. Well, and it, it's, it's cool too, because things like that, I mean, I think it's so great that all of us are able to get out there and have conversations with, with people. And especially as it relates to the topic of today's podcast, which is mental health. I think, you know, more and more people are realizing that it, it, you know, this isn't just some kind of passing thing, right? Like we actually need to have conversations about mental health, especially in the workplace, um, because questions like, you know, what is diversity going to look like? I mean, they, they're, it's all interconnected. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the mental health piece of the diversity conversation is, is really critical because... Um, one of the, the stats I found recently was that, you know, burnout from stress and anxiety is costing companies $30 billion in lost work days a year. And we know this and, because part of the problem is that 68% of employees never discuss mental health with their employer. And yet, uh, per the World Health Organization, the WHO, depression is the leading cause of disability globally. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I had never heard that stat until today, Mike, when you brought that up. And it's it's terrifying and it's scary. And it's at the same time, why is this not being talked about more often at every company? Well, I, so my thought around that is, well, one, you know, companies aren't necessarily creating a safe space to have these conversations or or making it known that mental health is a conversation that we need to be having. Right. And I think part of that is we've all sort of grown up, if you will, thinking that mental health conversations, you know, there was it's always a stigma attached to having those conversations and even recognizing in yourself that there you have some kind of, of mental health issue. I think it's the number of 60% of people go untreated. And so many, I think people associate, you know, coming from the people with disabilities community, it's uh, there's still very much a stigma and perception in and around the broader uh, disability conversation. And so people do not want to formally or informally even dip their toe into those conversations individually. Right. And I think one of the things that we can do, uh, I've, I've been coming out recently talking about kind of my history with depression and anxiety. And, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with this uh, with depression 20 years ago. And uh, I never talked about it in the workplace because I always feared having backlash or, you know, kind of feared 
the stigma or just, you know, fear of losing my job by talking about it because there wouldn't be an understanding of it. And, you know, looking back on it now, I'm kind of wondering how different would things have been if this was a conversation that leadership and management had created a space to actually start talking about this and how different would my experiences working at those companies have been if they had created that safe space to talk about it? Well, I'll give you from my personal experience of, you know, first of all, the I was involved in a workplace shooting years ago, and but I was always taught to put on, you know, this this mask, right? To put on this, everything's okay, you know, don't let anybody see you bleed, as as they said in James Bond, and you know, so. So, and there was also that, well, I don't want to admit that something's wrong with me mentally or that I'm, I'm suffering from survivor's guilt or some kind of PTSD. So I never saw treatment until I had to, right? Like it finally that, that bias was overtaken by literally my health. And once I went through and sought that treatment, it's amazing the light switch that occurred in my head to the point where I could now confidently go forward and start a business and go out and do things that I'd been wanting to do and never felt like there was anything holding me back. So just finally admitting to myself and seeking that treatment was a game changer. And I think if more people have those conversations, especially at work, to your point about what could have been different, it's like if, you're, it was a, if you felt safe enough to have the conversations and, and be supported in going to seek help, yeah, I mean, it, it could absolutely be a game changer for so many people. So strategies in and around to help an organization out. If I'm a business leader within uh, in an organization right now looking for strategies, Nina, what would you suggest for those business leaders? So uh, I kind of break it down into a couple different categories. Well, one, let's just start with benefits, because if you're an HR person listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking about benefits tends to be like one of the first things you think about, right? It's like, what kind of health care are we providing? Um, and, you know, if you're a healthcare uh, the kind of services you're providing for your staff include wellness coaches, uh, virtual therapy sessions. Those are key things. Uh, one of the pieces of advice I got from a company once, and I, I absolutely love this, they basically just went through the list of psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists on the on the list of healthcare. You know, that was covered by their company insurance, health insurance. Oh wow! And they just called each doctor's office and said, "Are you taking new patients?" and wrote down every doctor that said he was taking new patients and um, and then mapped out how far walking distance or driving distance they were from the office and then just put, posted that list next to all the elevators and coffee machines and all the public spaces were the public kind of gathering areas in the company office. And something as simple as that just really decreases the barriers associated with seeking treatment. Well, barriers and even stigmas and perceptions, again, going back to we, there's such a perception that if you're, uh, even, even if it's temporary and or a more biochemical uh, permanent thing within causing depression and or anxiety within people, those stigmas and perceptions, it starts to de-stigmatize uh, uh, those kind of conversations in general and recognizing like mentally, you know, mental illness, which depression is a form of, right, is doesn't mean mentally weak. Right. Is so and I think destigmatizing those kind of conversations are critical. So I love an organization having a strategy that is that proactive. Well, yeah, I think that that points to number one, like education, I think is critical. And yeah, I mean, you're exactly right, Mike. There, 
you know, yes, there are the typical, you know, um, the, the typical things we, we call out under the umbrella of mental health and mental illness. But, you know, when you've got numbers like 60% of people go untreated, I think that's because it's, you don't think of things like migraines or just even headaches or something that prevents you from bringing your full self to work or being fully productive in whatever it is you're doing. Even if it's temporary, that's still leading to the 200 million work days that are lost to, to depression each year or, you know, to some form of mental illness or the $201 billion annual cost of mental illness in the U.S., you know, every freaking year. And, and so that's a great point, Mike. Yeah, like acknowledging that this is something that needs to be addressed and educating everyone in the company about it, um, I think kind of decreases those barriers, right, again. So like, suppose every company incorporated into their welcome orientation and onboarding process for every new employee, kind of all the standard things that, you know, you would think about of onboarding, but also like kind of contributed some time to talking about neurodiversity and like how, you know, the company is committed to making sure that everyone's you know, mental health is taken care of as well. And introducing the terminology around neurodiversity and stress and uh, depression and anxiety and, you know, making sure that there's an opportunity for people to, um, you know, they might not want to disclose anything right away, but you say from day one that they started the company that this is, a, is a, this is an okay type of conversation to have here, that later down the road, if they do want to talk about it, they, they know it's a safe space to do that. And one of those safe space constructs that are could be really leveraged well is an ERG or BRG, so an employee resource group or business resource group within an organization. Do you guys agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I think there's a right way and a wrong way to do those types of groups. I think there needs to be a strategy in place. But yes, I think creating a safe space, which can also double as a brave place where People can have those conversations, but they can also bring in others to have those brave conversations because that's where really that's where I believe change will happen is when you're able to have those brave conversations. But you do need to also have a time when you're able to safely sort of just whether it's venting or whether it's just telling your story without any judgment. Um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. One of the things that um, so I've started giving talks about kind of neurodiversity and you know, me being neurodivergent uh, in the workplace. And one of the things I've been telling people to do is to start asking for accommodations. And I know in the disability community, Mike, this is, you know, the word accommodations can be very loaded, but it could also be a very empowering thing to do. Um, what are your thoughts on the idea of people who are neurodivergent, people with depression, anxiety, you know, asking for accommodations of their employers. I so I love this conversation, and and part of what uh, you know my role is within uh, Blind Institute of Technology is to, you know, we lead with education, education, education as a mantra for organizations, recognizing that uh, the vast majority, the vast majority of accommodations are less than five hundred dollars, and that it, that goes to folks who are neurodiverse, so uh, folks that have anxiety disorders. Right, there are technologies in and around that are on your iDevice devices and or Android devices that will monitor your heart rate and give you a bit of an alert when the technology is sensing that there's a trigger that's about to happen. 
So it's a very proactive, and yet, again, we're, we, we think of accommodation as almost this taboo word, and our job at BIT is to educate uh, HR professionals specifically around you know, what a reasonable accommodation can and will look like many times. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I've, lately, to me, accessibility for that, that few or accommodations for the few really ends up helping everybody. And I think, you know, the, this, this wide range of sort of mental health issues that everybody, the majority of people in the workforce deal with can easily be triggered and often are by the environment at work. And wait, wait, so, wait. Are, are, are you saying it's stressful at works? No. Workplaces are stressful. Wait, did you know that, Nina? Yeah, no, I've I've heard some rumors (laughs) about that. That's crazy. Yeah, (laughs) it's going around. It's it's going around. around. (laughs) I had had no idea. Wait, wait, and you're saying if you're all stressed out at work, like like work may trigger some of that stress, and then you you don't just leave it in your car before you go into the house. Like that might actually trickle into the the home place as well. Oh gosh, yeah. No way. Yeah, I know. You're welcome. Unbelievable. (laughs) That's a mic drop. We'll get to that. But you know what I'm saying, yeah. but like Mike, you do great work in, in that area and just helping number one, educate companies on the ease with which they can set up a very supporting environment for people who are blind or visually impaired. But ultimately, it's it's helping them set up a structure overall that's inviting to everyone. So much, so much broader, and I, I appreciate yeah. that because when we when we talk to organizations about the broader implications, you, 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 so when we when we t- from when we talk about from like policy to placement, like some of the policy, you know, making sure that the ERG BRG construct within their organization, like first and foremost, we know that successful ERG BRG constructs they have to have an executive sponsor. Right. So these are the kind of, you know, for neurodiverse, if you want to do a broader, just enabled, like it, different organizations use different names for the, call it the people with disabilities, right? So you call it enabled, call it whatever you want to call it. But, you know, it'd be fantastic if one of the leaders of an organization who uh, struggles with anxiety, depression, is, is willing to step their foot into that and acknowledge that, that goes a long ways to telling, right, the individual contributors within the organization that this is a safe place. Yeah, that's huge, completely agree. Well, what, before, we wanna introduce a new segment called Mic Drop, but before we get to that, Nina, what, um, you've, you've often talked about sort of the, the red, yellow, green, the traffic light yeah. thing. What's that? Because I think that's one easy way that companies can start to address this conversation. Yeah, it's a, it's a concept that I introduced to my team um, for my startup diversity when we were in the process of um, building an app and having to kind of build a business from the ground up. And we were up to a team of about five or six people. So being able to kind of get a temperature check on how everyone was doing mentally each day without having to ask them, are you having a are you depressed today? Are you about to have an anxiety attack? Yeah. You don't have to get really personal to create safe spaces for people 
who are neurodivergent. And so what we would do is at the beginning of every meeting, we would just say, let's do a quick traffic light check-in. Um, and I would give, I gave uh, everyone an article about what the traffic light check-in was first when on onboarding time. So the idea was that you would say you're either red, yellow, or green. Red means you're just having a really rough day. You're not gonna be performing at your best. And you just kind of want to give people that heads up. Yellow means is like you're not at your optimum, but you know, you're still functioning and still able to do stuff. Green means like you're good to go and you're gonna be at your best today. And so every person would just say, you know, here's, I'm yellow today or I'm green today, and then move on. And, and it was a quick one word. And so that way you would get a sense from the room, where were people at? So you be, if you said you were yellow today and you know, three hours down the line, you kind of snapped at me when I asked you a question, I'm not gonna take it as personally right. and say like, why does UB hate me? <laughs> why sure. is he so mad at me? And you know, I would just be like, you know what? UB's having a yellow day, it's okay. I'm not gonna like hold on to this. Um, and same thing with like, what I also noticed was that when other people were having red days, people on the team wanted to step up and help out. And not by being intrusive and saying like, hey, what's causing you to be red? But really like, oh, okay, do you, can you not dive into the code today? That's totally fine. Why don't you kind of do this data entry thing that needs to get done today that doesn't require as much of a mental load. And, you know, I'll take on some of this other work. And people just wanted to start helping each other out by creating something as simple as just a red, yellow, green into the beginning of every um, meeting. That's fantastic. I, lo I love that technique and think about, especially in, in technology organizations where, you know, whether it's the methodology of agile or just the stand up construct, right, where that could easily fit into that and to uh, allow organizations and teams to uh, work more cohesively uh, and be able to speak a language that is supportive of this topic, right? So I, I love that construct. That's true leadership that you did, Nina. Cool. Well, it, 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 like you said, Mike, it blends right in with what people are doing anyway, right? right. And I think that's the key to developing, um, you know, real strategies and real habits to create these more inclusive and safe workplaces is to give people things like this that that can be a part of their day to day. So they're doing it every day. It's just natural. It becomes natural. Um, and it, it, it really, I think you start to see that change over time because people will become more empathetic. I think it's exactly. a way to practice empathy. You can learn empathy. Right? Yeah. People think that, no, you are who you are and that's it. No, you can learn these things. So we're going to be putting a list of resources on our website associated yes. with every podcast. Um, with some of the kind of tips and tricks that we've learned about, some of the stats we've been pulling and mentioning. Um, and if our listeners have any um, kind of links to articles or other resources they want to share with us, please DM that to us over our Twitter account yeah. at Choose Inclusion, because um, we want this to be a place where everyone can continue to learn from each other. Totally agree. We're looking for massive uh, contribution from our, our audience, for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. The expertise does not land solely in this one room, in Thank this one goodness. podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stress reliever right there. Pressure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so right. in, uh, so like we said earlier, we're gonna introduce a new concept called Mic Drop. And these are words of wisdom from our dear co-host and friend, Mike Hess. So Mike, no pressure, but whenever you're ready, We'd like to hear your mic drop. Yeah, and all by the way, this was all introduced to me about uh, 20 minutes ago. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Nina and Uvaldo. So a mic drop. So you um, have the name. It's your fault. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> the, uh, so my mic drop for today, uh, following on the theme of 
uh, neurodiversity, reasonable accommodations. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, reasonable accommodations um, is a term that can be widely used for uh, women who are pregnant, for people who have migraines, depression, anxiety. Uh, it is much broader than just blind, visually impaired, people from the deaf community, uh, people in wheelchairs. So often we have this correlation to reasonable accommodations fixed in our minds and recognizing that every single one of us at some point in life needs some kind of an accommodation. We need to get rid of the stigma and start looking at people that truly have diversity qualities and be accommodating to all. Nice mic drop. I like it. And on that note, episode five out. Bye everyone. Later. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Special thanks to our producer, Spencer Cross and VP Legacies, which helps increase your employee and customer retention utilizing corporate communication strategies. Find out more at vplegacies.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. We'll be publishing a new episode on the first Thursday of every month, and you can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com, or contact us on Twitter at chooseinclusion. Inclusion.